Welcome to a Clear View of Sales podcast. Each week, well-regarded leaders in the sales arena provide invaluable insights at winning at sales today and into the world of sales technology. Now, here's your host, Dan Silly. I'm Dan Silly, Vendor Neutral, and I'm here with Larry Levine, author of Selling from the Heart and co-host of Selling from the Heart podcast. Hey, Larry, great to have you here today. Hey, so it's great. I'm looking forward to this, Dan. Always good to talk to you. Thanks, Larry. And we really appreciate it. So um, Larry's decided or, or has agreed, I should say, uh, to take part in our, our podcast surrounding um, buying experiences. So um, what Larry is going to tell us a little bit about is uh, an experience uh, where he has uh, encountered a sales professional who has not rose into the top, not risen to the top, who has um, really kind of just sold to sell, um, not listen to his knees, not understand his pains, his frustration, his process, his goals and objectives, um, but has in turn just sold. Um, but Larry's also going to share with us uh, the positive side of good experience um, when um, he's been able to engage with uh, sales professionals and um, he's been seeing success from it as well. So Larry, thanks a lot for being here today and tell me a little bit more about your experience. Yeah, th- th- this one's going to be good. I'm I'm going to take I'm going to take you and everybody on a journey if if that's all right. Because I think yeah. um, the longer you've been in sales, you're going to start encountering situations that aren't going to be pleasant. But it's those situations that I think that you can learn from. So I'm going to take you and everyone back. This goes probably about 25 years ago, and I grew up I grew up in the office technology channel here in in the LA marketplace. And yeah, I was, I, I grew up old school, right? Feet to the street, phone to the ear, things like that. That's how I was brought up because that's quite frankly, that's all that was around. So I rose to be number one in the organization. I was just by, I managed myself probably better and harder than any manager ever did. And, and I say this because I thought I was good. And quite frankly, if somebody ever asked me, hey, what, I, what, what are you doing right now? I said, hey, I'm just getting it done. So it was kind of that cocky attitude that propelled me, but it also bit me in the butt time and time again. I'm just being totally transparent with it. So let's, let's go back 25 years ago. It took me, I had these dream list of accounts that I wanted to get into. And it took me three years to get into this account. Big, large manufacturing company here in my marketplace. And that day comes, right? I'm in a suit because that's what we had to wear at the time, right? It was jacket, tie, the whole thing. I had my notepad with me. Mentally, I had a list of questions. I opened up my book, right? I got some more questions there. And I sit there and I start engaging with the chief financial officer of this big manufacturing company. And here I am, right? Now, keep in mind, it took me three years to get into this place. So I do the, you know, we do the small talk and anyone who's been in sales knows what I mean by say the small talk. And then it's that time to make that transition into having that conversation. And I'm about 10 minutes into the conversation, Dan. And all of a sudden I get this, Hey, Larry, time out, stop. I just got to stop you. And I'm like going, what the heck is going on? This is all going on inside my head in about 10 seconds. And I'm like going, okay, I, maybe I've been exposed. I don't know what's going on. So before I closed my book, I had all these things rapidly go through my head. What's the matter? Did I do something wrong? Should I do a learning moment? Should I just go, okay, get out of here? What do I do? And anyone who's been in sales, I know this has happened to and has gone through their head. So 
I was just about ready to close my notebook. I had one little cheek up off the, the seat and a little voice in my head said, hey, Larry, we just got to peel this thing back, right? Let's just find out what happened. Why did he even say that? So I tore off a sheet of paper. I inserted the guy's name, right? I'll just use Dan because I'm talking to Dan. Hey, Dan, you know, hey, I'm just, help me understand. Why'd you just say what you just said? And he said, listen, you're the third vendor, the third company who's been in here in the last week. Because unbeknownst to me, they were actually in the market to replace things. It just took me three years to get that appointment. And I go, okay, cool. So why did you stop me? And the guy goes, you know what? You've said the same set of questions, maybe asked with a little different way. All you did for the first five minutes was share everything about you, your accolades, your company, your service, and how great you are. Now, keep in mind, this is 25 years ago. I said, okay, well, then why'd you say that? And he goes, you just happened to be the third person, and I got tired of hearing it, so I just called you out on it. Now, keep in mind, Dan, you know, how many salespeople would just say, hey, you know what? I appreciate it. Thank you very much and disengage. But I chose to use that as a learning moment. Mm, and that's how I overcome it. And, and I, just, I just said, hey, you know what, Dan? Help me understand. If you were me, what would you have done differently in this situation? And Dan, for 45 minutes, I never said a word. I took three pages of notes. Mm -hmm. And I understood at that point in time, and I was a seasoned veteran at the time, but what I failed to realize is in that first five minutes, the moments that matter the most, I was making it about me and my company. I wasn't making it about him and his company. And I want people to realize that, that, you know, words matter, your message matters. And what happened was, is I came in there being cocky, right? Dress nice and so forth. And I talked about me. I had that braggadocious behavior as opposed to help me understand a little bit more about, you know, what are your issues? What are your challenges? I didn't show I cared. What I showed is I cared about myself and my company. And that was the biggest 45 minute life lesson I ever took away from that. But what I helped me do is become the person that I am today. Because what I did is I went on a journey. It was from that moment in time, I went on a journey that's got to me to where I'm at today. And what I, what I took away from that was I must connect better with people. I must show that I care and I must have compassion. And what I did is I took that story to my top five customers. And I went to my five top customers at the time and I shared that story. Can that, you know, and I asked them, does this resonate with you? Yes, it does. Here's what that person said. Do you agree? And they said, yes. And I go, I might be onto something. <laughs> and it was then that I go, you know what? It, a, it's never going to happen again. But B, what would happen if in my first in meetings with people, I showed how much I cared. I had compassion and I connected with them in a different manner. Then I can take that to my customers. And then I said to myself, imagine if I took that story and I took that learning moment and then I started connecting better with my current customers. I started to show how much I cared about them and I had compassion for them. And that was the journey that I went on. And, and, and I think we all have those journeys. Mm -hmm. We all have those aha moments. The longer you're in sales, 
the more you're going to get exposed, in my opinion. And it was, uh, it was it, it, I, but, I, but it goes back to, I think, here's the hardest part, is how many in sales are willing to eat critique and vulnerability when they get dealt the you-know-what stick thrown at them? Think about that one. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I totally agree with you, Larry. When, when it's, about, it's definitely more about the buyer's journey um, in today's world. And it, it applied 25 years ago. Um, it just was a, a different journey. Um, the buyers are at a different point in the selling process uh, when they engaged with a, a sales professional. Back 25 years ago, you held their hand through the entire process. Today, um, you're lucky if they engage with you until they prior about you know, maybe two or three weeks prior to making their final decision on a solution because they've done their research. They've done a lot of their own legwork on those solutions. So um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what were some of the key takeaways uh, that that, um, that uh, company or that gentleman gave to you in that 45 minutes beyond the value of the, of the conversation, the, the value of a relationship, um, the value of engaging um, with your buyers. Um, was there any other tidbits that came from that um, discussion? Uh, and, I, and I also want to ask you, um, at the end of the day, how, how should we be working with our, our buyers today? What, what value should we be bringing um, as we engage with buyers? And when should we finally ask for their business? Because, you know, it has changed. Um, things have become very different in the, in the world of selling. And, and if anybody knows, you do. So I'd love to hear you. <laughs> well, thank I'm, I'm going to answer this in, in, in a bunch of different ways, but I'm going to tackle what you just mentioned, the first part of it, the, the sure. last part of this, is when to ask. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get religious on us, but there's that old saying, if you ask not, you get not, Correct. Um, so to speak. We got to always be asking often for things. And what I learned a long time ago is if we fail to open up the journey, however we want to call this journey with somebody, right? If we fail to make a great impression in the very beginning, and if we fail to open this up in a humanistic, non-salesy fashion, then we have to start, in my opinion, we're already behind the eight ball. And where I'm going with this is that's what I learned back 25 years ago is now think times are a whole lot different, but I, it's just because there's more, there's more technology out there. So I'm going to bring in a book that I read, probably one of the very first books I read that was really influ influential to me. It was by Dale Carnegie and it was how to win friends and influence people. Mm -hmm. Now that book was written in 1937. So what is that? 83 years ago, something like that. And that book's still real applicable today. So back then, right, before all the tech that's available today, we were building relationships and changing the way people think. Mm -hmm. If we fast forward to, you know, where we're at today in 2020, we're still building relationships and changing the way people think. There's a lot more tools to do that. There's a lot more information available Correct. to help us do that. What we have to do is, in my opinion, we have to, be to become tour guides and facilitators. Because, I mean, if we keep it simple and I'm throwing it out there and it's not to ruffle any feathers or disrespect anybody when I say this, is sales professionals today have to consume information that our buyers are consuming. So we're just as knowledgeable about the, the things that they're reading and the things that they're educating themselves on. The reason why I think the buyer's journey has changed and salespeople are behind the eight ball is we haven't leveraged the power of technology and the resources that are out there to engage people in 
their journey, if you understand what I'm saying. So th- this, this is what I learned a long time ago. So I grew up in pre-internet, pre, you know, everything. That, but that, that's just because that's just where it was. So I had to build relationships and change the way people think face-to-face. When I or somebody else had to do research somewhere, where do we have to go? We had to go to the library, right? Yeah. And we had to go do research there. Right now, people who are watching this or listening to it are going to probably laugh their backside off, but that's just where it was at. So we had to make do with what we have. Mm-hmm. Well, now, if we fast forward, people are educating themselves. They're going to the library, but that library just happens to be online. They're getting their information online at their leisure when they feel like it, as opposed to having to get in the car or walk to the library. So really nothing's changed, but technology has changed. If you understand where I'm going with this. Yeah. So us as salespeople, what we need to figure out is we have to engage people early on in the process and combine that with, and I'll, re- and I'll, re- I'll never forget one of my very first sales mentors way back when in the late eighties said, listen, we got to engage people in different processes, right? You're going to have to learn how to become that closer to when, you know, the, since we're in the football playoffs, when the ball's on the one or two yard line, you got to learn how to do that. But you also have to blend that in with medium and long-term vision. In other words, salespeople today, they have to engage with people when the ball's on the other side of the 50 yard line. That means when buyers are just educating themselves and things like that, we have to get involved at that point as well. And that's why I'm a big proponent of this. I always share with people, if you want to have an ever-flowing sales funnel, you have to have an ever-flowing and full relationship funnel. That means we have to be getting involved in building relationships and driving conversation and educating people and having those conversations with people that may not be sales conversations right away. They're just normal business conversations or it's me get to know you, Dan. This mm-hmm. is where I think we're missing the boat is because we're, you know, salespeople today, we're always in sales mode. Right. And the, buyer, little- and the buyer may not be in buying mode right away. They might just be in, hey, you know what? I got a potential issue and I'm just right. going out to see what's going on out there. So how can I, as a salesperson, get involved earlier? We got to be connecting. We got to be building relationships. We got to be educating. We have to be engaging. We have to be exciting people into conversations and we have to be humanizing that and smashing it with technology. If we don't, I think we're further and further behind the eight ball. Beyond technology though, I know you're, you're a big proponent of a lot of the other channels that are out there beyond social media, beyond, um, you know, the technology that we use to communicate with our buyers and our sellers. Um, what other channels would you recommend? Uh, and also, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, you, what are your final thoughts on um, the evolution of sales and how sellers should be better and how maybe even buyers could be better at what they do as well? Uh, I'd love to hear your final thoughts on that. But before that, I, you know, I'd love to hear your, 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 your feedback on the previous question. Um, as far as ping, this rewind this about 30 seconds. Sure. So go ahead and ask that first question again. Sure. Um, three, two, one. So Larry, you know, we, we're, uh, I'd love to hear your final thoughts here, uh, regarding, um, uh, hold on a second. I'm going to have to stop here. So Larry, um, actually three, two, one. 
Larry, you really work in a lot of channels beyond the technology channels like social media, um, you know, and email. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the other channels that you find to be very valuable? I'm sure, you know, there are a lot of sellers out there that, you know, would love to hear from somebody with a little bit of experience in what channels work beyond their everyday to day social media resources and or email resources. And then also as you wrap, as you close out um, this podcast, I would just love to hear your feedback and what your recommendations are for the future of selling. You know, what does it look like um, where you really see buyers and sellers working together, and especially where you see sellers being better. So I'd love to hear your, your point of view on uh, the characteristics of a better seller um, as we move into 2020. Okay, perfect. Um, again, I'll, I, I, here's, this is my take, and, and it might be warped, but just follow along with me, mm -hmm. is whether you're a seller or a buyer today, is we have to get back to humanizing what we do and I say that, and, and I say it for a reason is we've dehumanized what we do because a lot of us have just hidden behind technology, but more importantly is we've hidden behind bad relationships and bad conversation skills. And, and I'm going to point the finger just for a tad bit on technology, just for the simple reason it is we're hiding behind technology today. We're hiding behind screens and we're hiding behind keyboards. So to me, if we want to change selling and if we want to change buying, then let's bring the humanistic, heartfelt approach back to selling and buying. Show how much we care, connect better with people, have compassion, engage with them, have their best interests at heart, not be deceptive of what we do. And I always say, and I say it in Selling from the Heart, if you lead with your wallet and not your heart, right? you're gonna get exposed. And there's so much commission breath that's going on out there that, and there's so much mistrust. And I always share this is, whether you're a buyer or seller, cause we're all selling and buying, is there's so much lack of trust. Everyone thinks we're full of you know what, and they're skeptical about everything we have to say. If we can break down those three barriers between selling and buying, watch what starts to happen. It all starts with engaging in a heartfelt human matter. Now, when it comes to all the channels is, and I'm going to use an analogy and I'm going to use golfing for an example. When um, I used to play it, now I just like watching it. But we all know that the, the, you know, the, the professional golf, pe the, the people that are on tour, there's 14 clubs in a standard golf bag, right? There's 12 drivers, the, between drivers, irons, and putters, right? Then you have like a lob wedge or a specialty wedge or something like that. A golfer has to use every single one of those golf clubs to the best of their ability based on where that ball is on the course. Right. So now when we start looking at the selling and the buying that's going on out there and how we communicate, let's just think of it as let's just use 14, right? Because we're talking about golf clubs. Let's just say there's 14 different channels to communicate with somebody. We as sales professionals, and I'll say for that matter, as buyers as well, we have to learn how to engage in the most humanistic, heartfelt manner, leveraging all channels, whether that be phone, whether that be email, whether that be social, whether that be face-to-face, -face, whether that be texting or whatever. But when it's all said and done, the biggest channel that's available for us right now that we must get better at communicating is the human channel. And what I mean by that is we've lost the ability 
to go face to face. Now on this, we're in Zoom, but you can still do the same thing. Right. I had a conversation with somebody just a few days ago. How do you leverage Zoom? It's no different. I can still leverage Zoom and I can still see you, right? I can still look in your eyes, even though there might be a screen that divides us and time zones that divide us. We can still bring the human heartfelt conversational approach back to sales and buying in, sim in simple matters. We've just lost that. And that's, and that's what I think in moving forward as 2020 you know, expands upon us is leverage all the channels to humanize yourself to the best of your ability to align you and the buyer along their journey. Well, that is some excellent advice from Larry Levine. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time today, Larry, to um, share your thoughts with the buyer and seller audience here from Vendor Neutral's podcast. Um, thanks again, Larry, and uh, best wishes to you for 2020. No, it's my pleasure. Look forward to this again. Thank you. I'm right. Dan Silly, a Vendor Neutral, and I'm here with Larry Levine, author of Selling from the Heart and co-host of Selling from the Heart podcast. Hey, Larry, great to have you here today. Okay, so it's great. I'm looking forward to this, Dan. Always good to talk to you. Thanks, Larry. And we really appreciate it. So um, Larry's decided or, or has agreed, I should say, uh, to take part in our, our podcast surrounding um, buying experiences. So um, what Larry's going to tell us a little bit about is uh, an experience uh, where he has uh, encountered a sales professional who has not rose into the top, not risen to the top, who has um, really kind of just sold to sell, um, not listened to his knees not understand his pains, his frustration, his process, his goals and objectives, um, but has in turn just sold. Um, but Larry's also going to share with us uh, the positive side of good experience um, when um, he's been able to engage with uh, sales professionals and um, he's been seeing success from it as well. So Larry, thanks a lot for being here today and tell me a little bit more about your experience. Yeah, th th this one's going to be good. I'm, I'm going to take, take you and everybody on a journey, if, if that's all right, because I think yeah. um, the longer you've been in sales, you're going to start encountering situations that aren't going to be pleasant, but it's those situations that I think that you can learn from. So I'm going to take you and everyone back. This goes probably about 25 years ago, and I grew up, I grew up in the office technology channel here in, in the LA marketplace. And yeah, I was, I, I grew up old school, right? Feet to the street, phone to the ear, things like that. That's how I was brought up because that's quite frankly, that's all that was around. So I rose to be number one in the organization. I was just by, I managed myself probably better and harder than any manager ever did. And, and I say this because I thought I was good. And quite frankly, if somebody ever asked me, hey, what, I, what, what are you doing right now? I said, hey, I'm just getting it done. So it was kind of that cocky attitude that propelled me, but it also bit me in the butt time and time again. I'm just being totally transparent with it. So let's, let's go back 25 years ago. It took me, I had these dream list of accounts that I wanted to get into. And it took me three years to get into this account. Big, large manufacturing company here in my marketplace. And that day comes, right? I'm in a suit because that's what we had to wear at the time, right? It was jacket, tie, the whole thing. I had my notepad with me. Mentally, I had a list of questions. I opened up my book, right? I got some more questions there. And I sit there and I start engaging with the chief financial officer of this big manufacturing company. And here I am, right? Now, keep in mind, it took me three years to get into this place. 
So I do the, you know, we do the small talk and anyone who's been in sales knows what I mean by say the small talk. And then it's that time to make that transition into having that conversation. And I'm about 10 minutes into the conversation, Dan. And all of a sudden I get this, Hey Larry, time out, stop. I just got to stop you. And I'm like going, what the heck is going on? This is all going on inside my head in about 10 seconds. And I'm like going, okay, I, maybe I've been exposed. I don't know what's going on. So before I closed my book, I had all these things rapidly go through my head. What's the matter? Did I do something wrong? Should I do a learning moment? Should I just go, okay, get out of here? What do I do? And anyone who's been in sales, I know this has happened to and has gone through their head. So I was just about ready to close my notebook. I had one little cheek up off the, the seat. And a little voice in my head said, hey, Larry, we just got to peel this thing back, right? Let's just find out what happened. Why did he even say that? So I tore off a sheet of paper. I inserted the guy's name, right? I'll just use Dan because I'm talking to Dan. Mm -hmm. Hey, Dan, you know, hey, I'm just, help me understand. Why'd you just say what you just said? And he said, listen, you're the third vendor, the third company who's been in here in the last week. Because unbeknownst to me, they were actually in the market to replace things. It just took me three years to get that appointment. And I go, okay, cool. So why did you stop me? And the guy goes, you know what? You've said the same set of questions, maybe asked with a little different way. All you did for the first five minutes was share everything about you, your accolades, your company, your service, and how great you are. Now, keep in mind, this is 25 years ago. I said, okay. Well, then why'd you say that? And he goes, you just happened to be the third person and I got tired of hearing it. So I just called you out on it. Now, keep in mind, Dan, you know, how many salespeople would just say, hey, you know what? I appreciate it. Thank you very much and disengage. But I chose to use that as a learning moment. Mm, and that's how I overcome it. And, and I, just, I just said, hey, you know what, Dan? Help me understand if you were me, what would you have done differently? in this situation. And Dan, for 45 minutes, I never said a word. I took three pages of notes mm -hmm. and I understood at that point in time, and I was a seasoned veteran at the time, but what I failed to realize is in that first five minutes, the moments that matter the most, I was making it about me and my company. I wasn't making it about him and his company. And I want people to realize that, that, you know, words matter, your message matters. And what happened was, is I came in there being cocky, right? Dressed nice and so forth. And I talked about me. I had that braggadocious behavior as opposed to help me understand a little bit more about, you know, what are your issues? What are your challenges? I didn't show I cared. What I showed is I cared about myself and my company. And that was the biggest 45 minute life lesson I ever took away from that. But what I helped me do is become the person that I am today, because what I did is I went on a journey. It was from that moment in time, I went on a journey that's got to me to where I'm at today. And what I, what I took away from that was I must connect better with people. I must show that I care and I must have compassion. And what I did is I took that story to my top five customers. And I went to my five top customers at the time and I shared that story. 
can that, you know, and I asked them, does this resonate with you? Yes, it does. Here's what that person said. Do you agree? And they said, yes. And I go, I might be onto something. <laughs> and it was then that I go, you know what? It, a, it's never going to happen again. But B, what would happen if in my first in meetings with people, I showed how much I cared. I had compassion and I connected with them in a different manner. Then I can take that to my customers. And then I said to myself, imagine if I took that story and I took that learning moment and then I started connecting better with my current customers. I started to show how much I cared about them and I had compassion for them. And that was the journey that I went on. And, and, and I think we all have those journeys. Mm -hmm. We all have those aha moments. The longer you're in sales, the more you're going to get exposed, in my opinion. And it was, uh, it was it, it, but, I, but it goes back to, I think, here's the hardest part, is how many in sales are willing to eat critique and vulnerability when they get dealt the you-know-what stick thrown at them? Think about that one. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I totally agree with you, Larry. When, when it's, about, it's definitely more about the buyer's journey um, in today's world. And it, it applied 25 years ago. Um, it just was a, a different journey. Um, the buyers are at a different point in the selling process uh, when they engaged with a, a sales professional. Back 25 years ago, you held their hand through the entire process. Today, um, you're lucky if they engage with you until they probably about you know, maybe two or three weeks prior to making their final decision on a solution because they've done their research. They've done a lot of their own legwork on those solutions. So, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what were some of the key takeaways uh, that that, um, that uh, company or that gentleman gave to you in that 45 minutes beyond the value of the, of the conversation, the, the value of a relationship, um, the value of engaging um, with your buyers. Um, was there any other tidbits that came from that um, discussion? Uh, and, I, and I also want to ask you, um, at the end of the day, how how should we be working with our, our buyers today? What, what value should we be bringing um, as we engage with buyers? And when should we finally ask for their business? Because, you know, it has changed. Um, things have become very different in the, in the world of selling. And, and if anybody knows, you do. So I'd love to hear that. <laughs> well, thank I'm, I'm going to answer this in, in, in a bunch of different ways, but I'm going to tackle what you just mentioned, the first part of it, the, the last sure. part of this, is when to ask. And, and I'm going to, I'm not going to get religious on us, but there's that old saying, if you ask not, you get not, Correct. Um, so to speak. We got to always be asking often for things. And what I learned a long time ago is if we fail to open up the journey, however we want to call this journey with somebody, right? If we fail to make a great impression in the very beginning, and if we fail to open this up in a humanistic, non-salesy fashion, then we have to start, in my opinion, we're already behind the eight ball. And where I'm going with this is that's what I learned back 25 years ago is now think times are a whole lot different, but I, it's just because there's more, there's more technology out there. So I'm going to bring in a book that I read, probably one of the very first books I read that was really influ influential to me. It was by Dale Carnegie, and it was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm -hmm. Now, that book was written in 1937. So what is that, 83 years ago, something like that? And that book's still real applicable today. So back then, right, before all the tech that's available today, we were building relationships and changing the way people think. Mm -hmm. 
If we fast forward to, you know, where we're at today in 2020, we're still building relationships and changing the way people think. There's a lot more tools to do that. There's a lot more information available to help us do that. What we have to do is, in my opinion, we have to to become tour guides and facilitators. Because... And if we keep it simple and I'm throwing it out there and it's not to ruffle any feathers or disrespect anybody when I say this is sales professionals today have to consume information that our buyers are consuming. So we're just as knowledgeable about the the things that they're reading and the things that they're educating themselves on. The reason why I think the buyer's journey has changed and salespeople are behind the eight ball is we haven't leveraged the power of technology and the resources that are out there to engage people in their journey, if you understand what I'm saying. So this, this is what I learned a long time ago. So I grew up in pre-internet, pre, you know, everything, that, but that's just because that's just where it was. So I had to build relationships and change the way people think face-to-face. When I or somebody else had to do research somewhere, where do we have to go? We had to go to the library, right? Yeah. And we had to go do research there. Right now, people who are watching this or listening to it are going to probably laugh their backside off. But that's just where it was at. So we had to make do with what we have. Mm -hmm. Well, Now, if we fast forward, people are educating themselves. They're going to the library, but that library just happens to be online. They're getting their information online at their leisure when they feel like it, as opposed to having to get in the car or walk to the library. So really, nothing's changed, but technology has changed, if you understand where I'm going with this. Yeah. So us as salespeople, what we need to figure out is we have to engage people early on in the process and combine that with, and I'll, rem- and I'll, rem- I'll never forget one of my very first sales mentors way back when in the late 80s said, listen, we got to engage people in different processes, right? You're going to have to learn how to become that closer to when, you know, the, since we're in the football playoffs, when the ball's on the one or two yard line, you got to learn how to do that. But you also have to blend that in with medium and long-term vision. In other words, salespeople today, they have to engage with people when the ball's on the other side of the 50 yard line. That means when buyers are just educating themselves and things like that, we have to get involved at that point as well. And that's why I'm a big proponent of this. I always share with people, if you want to have an ever-flowing sales funnel, you have to have an ever-flowing and full relationship funnel. That means we have to be getting involved in building relationships and driving conversation and educating people and having those conversations with people that may not be sales conversations right away. They're just normal business conversations or it's me getting to know you, Dan. This mm-hmm. is where I think we're missing the boat is because we're, you know, salespeople today, we're always in sales mode. Right. And, the buyer, little- and the buyer may not be in buying mode right away. They might just be in, hey, you know what? I got a potential issue and I'm just right. going out to see what's going on out there. So how can I, as a salesperson, get involved earlier? We got to be connecting. We got to be building relationships. We got to be educating. We have to be engaging. We have to be exciting people into conversations, and we have to be humanizing that and smashing it with technology. If we don't, I think we're further and further behind the eight ball. Larry, you really work in a lot of channels beyond the technology channels, like social media, um, you know, and email. 
Uh, could you talk a little bit about the other channels that you find to be very valuable? I'm sure, you know, there are a lot of sellers out there that, you know, would love to hear from somebody with a little bit of experience in what channels work beyond their every day-to-day -day social media resources and or email resources. And then also as you wrap, as you close out um, this podcast, I would just love to hear your feedback and what your recommendations are for the future of selling. You know, what does it look like um, where you really see buyers and sellers working together and especially where you see sellers being better. So I'd love to hear your, your point of view on uh, the characteristics of a better seller um, as we move into 2020. Okay, perfect. Um, again, I'll, I, I, here's, this is my take and, and it might be warped, but just follow along with me, mm -hmm. is whether you're a seller or a buyer today, is we have to get back to humanizing what we do. And I say that, and, and I say it for a reason, is we've dehumanized what we do because a lot of us have just hidden behind technology. But more importantly, as we've hidden behind bad relationships and bad conversation skills, and, and I'm going to point the finger just for a tad bit on technology, just for the simple reason it is we're hiding behind technology today. We're hiding behind screens and we're hiding behind keyboards. So to me, if we want to change selling and if we want to change buying, then let's bring the humanistic, heartfelt approach back to selling and buying. Show how much we care, connect better with people, have compassion, engage with them, have their best interests at heart, not be deceptive of what we do. And I always say, and I say it in Selling from the Heart, if you lead with your wallet and not your heart, right, you're going to get exposed. And there's so much commission breath that's going on out there that, and there's so much mistrust. And I always share this is whether you're a buyer or seller, cause we're all selling and buying is there's so much lack of trust. Everyone thinks we're fully, you know what? And they're skeptical about everything we have to say. If we can break down those three barriers between selling and buying, watch what starts to happen. It all starts with engaging in a heartfelt human matter. Now, when it comes to all the channels is, and I'm gonna use an analogy and I'm gonna use golfing for an example. When um, I used to play it, now I just like watching it. But we all know that the, the, you know, the, the professional golf, pe the, the people that are on tour, there's 14 clubs in a standard golf bag, right? There's 12 drivers, the, between drivers, irons, and putters, right? Then you have like a lob wedge or a specialty wedge or something like that. A golfer has to use every single one of those golf clubs to the best of their ability based on where that ball is on the course right? So now when we start looking at the selling and the buying that's going on out there and how we communicate, let's just think of it as, let's just use 14, right? Because we're talking about golf clubs. Let's just say there's 14 different channels to communicate with somebody. We as sales professionals, and I'll say for that matter, as buyers as well, we have to learn how to engage in the most humanistic, heartfelt manner, leveraging all channels, whether that be phone, whether that be email, whether that be social, whether that be face-to-face, -face, whether that be texting or whatever. But when it's all said and done, the biggest channel that's available for us right now that we must get better at communicating is the human channel. And what I mean by that is we've lost the ability to go face-to-face. -face. Now on this, we're in Zoom, but you can still do the same thing. Right. I had a conversation with somebody just a few days ago. How do you leverage Zoom? 
it's no different. I can still leverage Zoom and I can still see you, right? I can still look in your eyes, even though there might be a screen that divides us and time zones that divide us. We can still bring the human heartfelt conversational approach back to sales and buying in, sim in simple matters. We've just lost that. And that's, and that's what I think in moving forward as 2020 you know, expands upon us is leverage all the channels to humanize yourself to the best of your ability to align you and the buyer along their journey. Well, that is some excellent advice from Larry Levine. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time today, Larry, to um, share your thoughts with the buyer and seller audience here from Vendor Neutral's podcast. Um, thanks again, Larry, and uh, best wishes to you for 2020. No, it's my pleasure. Look forward to this again. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to a Clear View of Sales podcast. Be sure to visit VendorNeutral.com where you can access the show notes, discover many valuable free resources, and subscribe to the podcast.